Welcome back to the Frizz and the Grease podcast with your hosts, Prudo and D. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's your boy Trudeau and you're joining us live Tuesday, December 12th. Thank you all for joining us here live or listening on podcast tomorrow. Remember, if you're listening on podcast, show your boy some love. Press that rate. Press that subscribe. Give us five stars. I like what Bob Jones says. Give us five stars. If you only give us four stars, then I'm inclined to think you're a hater. I like that. That's a good line. That's a good line. And that's my co-host, D Frizzy Frizz. What's up, buddy? What to do, baby man? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, my guy. It's good to be back. <clears throat> good to have you here talk a little sports and, and have some fun on Tuesday. I wanted to talk talk about one thing real quick before we get started. And it's about haters. Ooh. Uh so I don't know if you've come across this a lot. I'm in a Yeah, lot I have of, a lot of haters. Not you as you <laughs> having haters, because I'm sure you do have a lot of haters, and rightfully so. But I'm more talking about, I'm in a lot of group chats mm-hmm. and there's some older heads in my group chats, like not older, like I'm talking like 38, 37. I guess you're an older head. Yeah. Thank you. But go ahead. <laughs> so a little older than myself. And I find that there's a lot of, at this point, bitching my group chats about like the youth, about the, the Gen Z's, right? The younger, okay. the younger generation, you know, like 20 year olds, 21 year olds and things of that nature. And I, I'm just like, I'm so tired of it. And I find that we're becoming, at least not me. I'm not, I, I've vowed not to be this type of person, but to be haters the same way that the older generation, the Gen X's hated on millennials and just talk shit about like, oh, they don't know music. They're dumb. Like with the shit, they like stupid. And you know, all the old stuff was good. Right. And this, the new stuff's bad. You come across that a lot. Yeah. Um, I think more so because we're surrounded by sports and all conversation, not all conversations, but a ton of conversations are based off of errors. And we're at the era where there's a lot of people that haven't seen what we have seen. So like a lot of their arguments are based on that. A lot of people, if you're going to talk about music, a lot of people have no idea who or what type of song like a Biggie or a Tupac put out. Maybe a throwback Thursday song that's on like Jammin' 94.5 or something like that. But like they don't know like you know, rap from the nineties. They don't know about NWA from like the early nineties, eighties. They don't know, you know, run DMC from the eighties. They don't know that stuff. So they think this new hip hop of people dancing and shit like this is cool. And it's like, we're, it's going to come off as hate. If we just say, no, I don't think it's as good. The same way that we talk about sports. If we talk about the new age or the new era quarterback or the new era point guard, they may not have seen Kobe Bryant, Trace McGrady, those types of players play in the you know late 90s early 2000s because they were born right they weren't born so like it's it's a, i think it's more of a what era are we in is it going to come off as hate when we're just speaking fact you know that's it really oh, depends so on who you who, who you're speaking to in the group you sound like one of those old heads because you're saying oh it's fact that everything was like better i mean I, look so, uh, yeah i don't want to go down that road but i'm just saying a lot of the times people will talk about records and statistics. It's a different game, whether you're talking about music or sports. So I don't want to hear, you know, someone like a Justin Herbert who can throw 6,000 yards in his, you know, in a season, 45 touchdowns is a better quarterback than Joe Montana because he's never put up better he, because he put up triple his numbers. It's like, what are we doing? Right? Like, yeah, I understand that you see this, but it's a different game with Troy Aikman. Let me not say Joe Montana because like that's disrespectful, but like a Troy Aikman or a Terry Bradshaw. And it's like, well, he threw for double what he did. It's like, I mean, it's a new age. 
Like we got guys that are averaging 35 points per game. When Jordan did it in the 90s, it was one person that was doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing it's like more about everything about the young generation. Yeah, I know. I get that. I'm just giving the, like yeah. the, the small portion of it of where most arguments go. Well, for me, it's two two pronged because number one, I remember growing up and just just having so much hate from the older generations. Like I vowed my life just not to be that person. I want I want to be like 80 years old and be like, you know what? These 19 year olds, they they're cool. Like I'm cool with what they're doing. I don't want to be a hater. And secondly, I just don't have the energy to just constantly be a hater. You know what I mean? Because like, dude, I'm in group chats and like literally every other day it's like some slander on LeBron, how like he's soft and he flops and oh, the, the most recent one was like, oh, LeBron's now the the leading uh, all time in, in turnovers or, something, or, t- or flops or like, you know, j- offensive flops called unnecessary them. stat. Right. People just going like above and beyond to be a hater. I'm just I just want for those listening, take a minute before you throw out that hate and ask yourself, is it worth harboring that anger just enjoy life man good vibes right vibe with nature i'm with you on the positive vibes thing man like i can't go down that road i like it's exhausting if you start to do like if you start to are not even argue but just like try to plead a case it's like no i'm good bro like i'm just sure like if that's your opinion that's your opinion i don't even want to go down that you think that you know lil uzi vert is a better rapper than jay-z sure like that's 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 your decision. I can't flip your your mind on that one. You're you're a bigger man because I cannot hold my tongue, as you can tell in this podcast. I like to just keep on yapping away, and I always have to fire back and get into long ass arguments and defend the dumbest shit. The thing is, like, I I don't want to say I'm past that because I'm 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 good for a good argument. Like you know, once in a while, I have no problem with going off and and you know, I got time today you, type of shit. You like, don't have to. You can't it. argue. You don't like to argue. I, 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 I do, but like, it's just like it's controlled arguing. I want to have a conversation. I'm I'm done with the whole like back in you know Willow two one two seven arguing where RAs get involved because someone says that Brett Favre should have thrown a better pass and someone says that you know the wide receiver should have came back to the ball like that type of shit I know that that was more personal but like that that type of argument like would draw people being pissed off at each other for like weeks it's like I'm done and over with that bro like if you you think if you think Justin Herbert's a top five quarterback I'm sorry I'm throwing him under the bus but like he just got injured and I'm sure we'll talk about that today yeah if you think he's a top five quarterback I'm gonna be like He's not, but I don't have the time or like I'm exhausted. <laughs> like I don't want it. I don't need to convince you to to make you think that, you know, something other because you see somebody throwing 5,000 yards a year. Well, if you want to argue, this is the place. And if you're watching live, throw somebody. If you hate, if you disagree, throw it in the chat. We'll love to pick it up. It'll be a fun conversation. Speaking of what we're going to talk about today, mm. it's a, it's been a very busy week in sports. There's a ton of yeah. stuff to talk about, so we're bringing back the wheel topics because we didn't, we couldn't prioritize what to talk about. So we have a hodgepodge. It looks like baseball made made the cut, which is crazy for our show. But Otani got that major contract, so that's going to potentially be on the wheel topics. Oh, NFL stuff heating up, playoff push, and then NBA. We're kind of in the midseason form, like we're we're heading towards, you know, where you can kind of figure out who's who and what's what. So there's a lot of shit to talk about today. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Hang with us. I'm telling you it's going to be worth your time. Let's jump right into it. A little prolonged uh, music because I got to pull up the wheel. All right, you want to give it a spin? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right, first topic of the day. Let's, let's have a start off really good. Oh, relocation. Okay, that was one of your topics. Let's get it. Yeah, so this was something that actually I just read about it. The the owner or like the venture owner of the Washington Capitals, who's of the NHL for those that may not watch, um, and the owner of the Washington Wizards. Like, sorry, are they the, not the Wizards? My apologies. The basketball team? What team are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, is it the Wizards still? Yeah. Oh, okay, I don't know if they changed their name. They had they wore the bullets and shit like that. They're, they're very bad. <laughs> Essentially, they're thinking about moving them from Washington, D.C. to Northern Virginia. And what we were talking about off air was like, do like do these relocations like work, right? Like, do you get a different fan base? And is it going to change anything from money value? The most recent changes that we can talk about where I think there's only one actual success is the Las Vegas Knights. Right, like well, that wasn't even a relocation. That's a that was a new franchise. Oh, okay, that perfect. So like that's that. I guess you don't even count that. That's considered a um an expansion team. So then I don't, I can't think of a team that was relocated that's had a ton of success. You know, we we look at the Las Vegas Raiders. No, Charlotte Hornets. They went back and forth between New Orleans and 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 Charlotte. Nothing. Mm. I don't really see the Washington Nationals. uh, Is somebody just wrote in the chat? They were the Expos. I was going to say the Nationals Nationals win the World Series. Uh, Yeah, they were they were successful. They won the World Series. That was a good relocation because the Expos, Montreal is not the best sports town. They're great for hockey, right? They have Mm -hmm. the Canadians, but that's like a a Canadian thing. Like they love hockey down there. As far as relocation in general, so we're talking about the Washington franchise. Relocations, one of two things. Number one, you're just trying to get leverage, so you're threatening relocation to get public dollars to fund your stadium. That's in the case. Like I'm I'm rocking the Tampa Bay. Uh, baseball team, the Rays, and you know they threatened to uh, move to Montreal, and they're getting a new stadium now because uh, they they leverage the town. So it's either you're trying to get money to build a new stadium, and I don't know if that's what they're trying to do in Washington um, by threatening to go to Virginia. But in general, I feel like relocation. It depends where you move, right? Because you had you see the Chargers and the Rams go from uh, what was it St. Louis and uh, uh, L A. Uh, San 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 Diego, excuse me, and when you watch those home games, it feels like an away game because there's so many opposing fans. Same thing with like Vegas with uh, the Raiders now. I think it depends where you move because if you move to a town that's not really into the sport, you're going to have a shitty product, but you might make more money because it's just a more desirable place. And that's the thing that I'm pretty sure the teams that moved to Cali and obviously Nevada for it, the reason why they did, it was more so about the money than it was about the experience because you, you talked about I think this was last week we talked about Raiders fans and I was like, mm, maybe when, oh, it was off air. It was via text message and yeah. you said something about the Raiders and I was like, maybe when they were in Oakland, they were, you know, die hard. But, you know, there's no like Raider nation in Vegas right now. Like it, it's very similar to, like you said, either an away game or just a neutral site. You know what I mean? Like it's a college football stadium. Um, it just doesn't have the same atmosphere as, you know, when they were down in, uh, like I don't think they played in Three Rivers. Three Rivers was was Pittsburgh, but essentially like the old Coliseum. That you know that's where the Raiders that, would play. That's a good example. Though. Like Pittsburgh, like no offense, I'm gonna take out Pittsburgh. Like it's kind of not the most desirable place to live. Like it's not the greatest city. Like I'm sure people in Pittsburgh love Pittsburgh, but their fan base. Like think about these these cities that don't have the most marquee name: Pittsburgh, Buffalo, mm-hmm. right? Just in football, like those are the most passionate, ravenous sports fans. Um, and when you move to like a glitz and glam city, like an LA from there, you lose some of that on the flip side though. Like if you're not making a ton of money, like we're talking about the Oakland A's before 
we got on air, right? And how they're moving to, to, to Vegas. I'm sure they're not going to have a lot of Vegas A's fans. But, dude, I like the Orlando Magic. I traveled to Brooklyn two weeks ago to watch them play. Dude, imagine traveling to Las Vegas to watch your team. If, you, if you're someone who likes to travel, like if you want to see the Lakers, mm-hmm. go to Las Vegas, dude. It's a it's destination, and you get to watch your team. Granted, you're not going to get a lot of home fans, but like you'll sell out, and it'll be a fun experience. Yeah, and I think that's that's what I was saying. Is it about the dollar, or is it about essentially like putting a product on the field, or 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 I guess on the uh, on the court, whatever you want to say? I think it's more about like you know what if a team has something else. You mentioned Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has the Pirates. They have Penguins, Steelers, the Penguins. Like they have other sources of marketing besides just just the NFL team compared to oh, yeah. what what's up. No, Christian brought up a good point. I think the Bills threatened to relocate as well. And he mentioned that. And uh, they made a big push like, oh, we're going to leave. And that was one of those stadium dollar uh, fake, like and fake we're going to move because they got a, they're getting a new stadium now. And it's going to be like mm-hmm. state of the art, which is pretty cool for Bills fans. But obviously the tax dollars subsidize a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's I, I'm not sure how it pans out. You know, I don't know if moving a dead franchise. I don't know too much about the... Um, you know the the capitals and whatnot. I, I feel like they was they uh, had Ovechkin, was like the that. commandos uh, the commandos part of that relocation threat because I know they threatened to leave a couple times to get some some funding. And you know who else did that was the the Bears. Um, recently, yep, the, Bears have, the Bears have Bears, threatened yeah. to leave, and uh, they want to get some more some more money in that uh, that stadium. I don't remember seeing it. I'll, I'll I'll try to find it and send it to you off air. Uh, but I don't remember it being anything besides just the the national excuse me the um the Capitals and the Wizards. I think because he the, whoever the owner is owns both of those franchises or at least has a stake investment into them. Uh, which, like I said, it, I don't think moving a dead franchise does much, right? Like if you're if you're terrible in Washington, this being basketball, I, I think the Capitals are a pretty decent hockey team. Um, at least they put on a better product than Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. And I don't think and I'm a Kuzma, like I'm a fan of him too. Uh, I don't think moving them from Washington to Virginia is going to get a different fan base. Like I just, I just don't see more people being like, Oh, we got a team in Virginia. Let's go. Let's go watch the Washington. I mean the, the Virginia, you know, wizards. Yeah. That, I think that's just more of a, a stadium money thing. I do have a, like a follow-up question though, really, really quick mm-hmm. is like of the franchises or of the cities that don't have a franchise right now, like, is there anywhere that you'd like to see a team placed either via le- relocation or cause I have one re- relocation or like an expansion. We do. We keep talking about it. I don't know how nervous I would be if they brought it back because like it's either destined for failure or destined for success in Seattle. That's what I was going to say. Just they brought, but the thing is like, I, we, I think the city wants there to be a team there basketball wise i think they want to bring back the sonics but it's one of those is it a nostalgia thing where it's just the team of having the seattle sonics back or supersonics back or is it like are they actually going to be a dominant franchise leading in in, in like revenue i don't care about the roster but i'm saying revenue like people actually going to want to go to their games or are we going to see what happened, which was like the tail end of the Kevin Durant, Ray Allen days where they were like, Oh, kind of over this. I think Seattle would be awesome to bring back the supersonics and just, and to bring the back to supersonics franchise as a whole. Just think about their football team and how passionate that fan base is. The 12th man, it gets so loud there. They just put a NHL team cracking a couple of years ago. Yep. It's popping there. Seattle would be great, great, great for basketball. I hope so. Like I said, that it's a team. It's a city that I, I think when we did our relocation thing, um, we did a, a segment on it. I'm pretty sure I picked Seattle as being like the number one spot. 
Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, spin the wheel again because I feel like we're, we've uh, run that one dry. Yeah, we're good. Of all the places to start, I didn't want to pick. I didn't want to start there, <laughs> but we did. <laughs> it's the wheel, man. We don't have I a choice. Good to put it, get it over with. Oh, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. So it's noteworthy NBA midseason kind of like stories or whatever, right? Because we're not quite midseason on the NBA, but... It's like a third. Yeah, but this is the point where you kind of know what's going on. You see things kind of develop in front of you. So are there anything that you want to kick us off with as far as like interesting midseason things? Yeah, first thing I would say, because we I don't know if it's a top... Uh, actually, it might be a topic. So I want to say that go it's, for it. it's weird to see the... What's up? If it's a topic, go for it. I don't care. No, I don't. I don't want. I don't want. To, I don't want to get rid of it. Um, I want to say it's weird to see changes of the guard, and what I mean by that is, it's interesting to see that as hot as the Timberwolves start, Timberwolves started, they're still maintaining their success. They're seventeen and five. Good. We talked about OKC at the beginning of the season. They're fifteen and seven, and currently the two seed. We know your Orlando Magic obviously have been doing pretty decent, being the two seed right now, and then because of the in season tournament. Not to say that they're going to be, you know, a conference champion or anything like that, but like the the Indiana Pacers are now a player in the Eastern Conference. And it's just like these were not teams that were expected to be at the top of their conference. And it's interesting to see are you are we looking at the not the changing of the guard with the younger to the newer generation, but are we are we starting to see like teams that have been there before may not be as invested in the regular season and they'll flip the switch when it comes to the, uh, the the tail end of the NBA season. I think it's more of just some of these teams that have been there getting old. I want to specifically point out um, the Warriors. I'm mm-hmm. sure, looking up the record right now. They're sitting at 10 and 12, 10 and 12, not even in the play. And I just think we're seeing teams like the Warriors, you know, they've had good runs. They're just getting old. You know, the Warriors clay's not, you know, I know he came back last year. It was pretty good shooting. Um, but he's not the same defender after both of those injuries. Draymond's fallen off, and Steph's been Steph still, but he's still he's still he's doing everything he can at thirty four. Yeah. <laughs> he's still he's real old, and he's due for an injury at some point. Like mm-hmm. Steph's one of those guys you can pencil in fifteen games for some random ankle twist or whatever throughout the year. I just think it's it's what we're seeing is like the younger teams that have been building for a couple years, like they're maturing, and then the older teams are just they're just kind of at the tail end of the prime. And like Miami is another one of those case scenarios where, you know, they thought they could just keep the ball rolling and they put all their, their eggs in the Dame thing. Didn't yep. pan out. Even Dame's been kind of mid this year. If under like, so under the radar, Dame's been pretty mid this year. Um, but just to go to the heat real quick, like it's a team that they thought Jimmy Butler could just carry them through the regular season mm-hmm. ain't happening because again, a little older, he needs supporting guys and these young teams like, you know, the thunder, have a boatload of young up and coming guys and a really strong support cast. And it's really hard to take them down. You're seeing, I mean, that, that word you just use support cast. I think that's huge. Uh, the depth of these younger teams where you're just able to throw out there a 22, 23 year old to just run. And we're seeing pace at its highest. Obviously the Indiana Pacers and the Sacramento Kings, the leaders of that type of style of basketball, there are teams that are averaging, not, I won't say they're averaging, but they're putting up 130, 140 on a nightly basis. Right. I think Philly last night put up 140. And it's just like, that, what's that wizards though? Come on. But still you're, you're seeing high, fast paced basketball where the older teams, right. You're, your Lakers are one of them. Obviously, we talked about the 
the the Warriors. I think in the East you would say I won't. I don't want to call the Bucks old, but they're up there in age, right? Like they have Middleton, Dame, Giannis is. I still think he's Giannis in his prime, great. but like right. I know he's in his prime, but Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, like all these supporting cast players that you just said, and they go up against a. We'll just throw in a name: the the OKC Thunder. The people that are coming off the bench are younger and faster. Alou Dort is coming off the bench. Josh Giddy, if he throws in some time. Uh, I think they got I think just a Wiggins mean, right? kid. What's up? Jail time? Yeah, we're not going to touch on that one. <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is there's a difference of substituting or spilling older guys with older guys compared to these younger generation team, younger teams, Kings, OKC, Pelicans are even one of them. Um, and it, like you're just seeing a little bit more of a flip of the NBA guard because of it. The one thing I'm curious about is how does this pan out in the playoffs? Because you see in the playoffs, the NBA, like I know you can play super fast paced regular season, like loose with the ball, be pacers mm-hmm. and, and put up 130 points a game. But that historically hasn't really flown well in the playoffs, right? Some of these more methodical teams can grind down possessions in the playoffs. Like this thing about the heat last year, like they're, Bread and butter was just grind games to a screeching halt and just win, getting tough buckets. And I'm just looking at the at the Western standings right now, right? Minnesota, obviously with Rudy Gobert, like we always have question marks in the playoffs. OKC's okay, in second right now. Again, a young team. Are they going to be ready and playoff tested? I don't know. Um, Dallas, they don't play defense. I know playing offense is fun, but does that pan out in the regular the postseason? I don't know. So like I feel like. If you look at the standings, there are teams lower than you'd expect, you know, like the Miamis of the world, the Cavs of the world, who in the playoffs, even the, the Knicks as well, like in the playoffs, these teams are just tough outs because they will bludgeon you to death possession by possession in a seven-game series. So it's it's curious. Like I, I see a lot of new teams right now rising to the top, but I'm wondering at the end of the day when we get to the conference finals, are we going to see kind of like Boston, Milwaukee, the Lakers, the Suns, teams that kind of we expected to be able to get tough buckets and grind games out. Yeah, I think, uh, and this is just a shout to the, I don't care about, you know, Banner 18. We joke around and call it that for the in-season tournament championship. But like we saw it with the Pacers and the Lakers, right? Like we saw them slow down the Pacers' fast-paced offense. And and I won't say they controlled Halliburton, but like they at least, they, they did a good job on him, right? They, they made him, you know, slow down his pace because he had a couple of early turnovers. They, they slowed down Miles' turn, obviously, offensively. So maybe if there's more strategy, more time to prep instead of, you know, tail end of a back to back playoffs, you will see that. Exactly. So, again, it's just like I mentioned at the very beginning of this, it's weird to see the flip of like teams that we were not expecting to be, you know, top to mid tier of the of the NBA standings for both conferences. I wanted to touch on for the midseason catch up just how wrong I was. I think we I made it made a statement uh, a month ago when you asked me the rookie of the year race will be blank. And I said over by December. And I feel like I'm kind of right in the fact that I feel like Chet Ubecha is uh, running away with this thing. He's he's been so much better than I thought he would be in the fact that he looks extremely polished right now. He's producing, and not only producing numbers-wise, but he's producing in a way that helps his team and elevates his team to win. What, yeah. uh, like what's going on in San Antonio with Wemby? He's he's if you ever chance just watch Wemby play because it's it's just like a freak of nature fun to watch. But he he's not helping produce winning right now. Right. And I don't know if that's part of the strategy, but man, just Chet Holmgren like 
blown blown away all my expectations about how good he could be. And especially my biggest knock was when he came in the league, he was slender. You know, I think he was 190. He was like, what, seven foot 190. That's like paper thin is like the sin as my, uh, my calves. But like he's been tough and he's been playing a lot of center minutes. And mm-hmm. that's really difficult for a guy with this frame. And shout out to him for just being able to take that physicality and dominate both inside, outside. And he's also doing a lot of ball handling. Like he's bringing the ball up the court. That shot that he hit in the corner against Golden State was absolutely ridiculous. Kevin Durant-esque at seven foot, uh, mm-hmm. seven foot one. But yeah, I, I like I said, I, I called it. I was like, look, be careful with Chet being potential because he's just, you're going to see, especially with how OKC finished last year, you're going to see OKC more on TV. And that's exactly what's yeah. happened where you're going to see this team because they're winning more. You don't want to put a, a Spurs game on TNT. They look very bad, right? And they're not playing great team basketball either. Like there are times where point guard just, or mostly point guard, Jeremy Shohan must hate Wembenyama because like there are so many times where he just legit chooses to not pass him the ball. And then like the point guard is just like, yo, what are you doing? giving me the ball. Give it to the seven footer down there. And like, they'll get a bucket or it'll be a late transition block, something like that. It's like, that's not winning basketball. That's looking out for myself type basketball, which we're not going to say Pops lost it, but like he's getting up there in age, right? Like, can he coach a younger team? We don't know. And, you know, at the end of the day, it might be a great message, but that message still might not be heard from certain people nowadays. I do, I do think Chet having an extra year, like just a redshirt year, essentially really helped yeah. him out just because you know the system. You've been in the system for a year. You've seen how the guys operate and you've been in a weight program for a year compared to Victor. And one of the most damning thing I saw I saw for, from Victor was... Um, for some godforsaken reason, I think it was like Saturday night, I was watching them play the Bulls. And I think Victor Wembanyama had a potential post-up against Ayu DeSumo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And they gave the ball to Victor, and he passed out of it. And I'm like, and the announced the commentators for the Spurs, like, man, you, you got to like post this man up. You're seven foot four on a, on a six foot four guy. You have to learn that aggressiveness and just like, oh, I'm going to eat now. And it just, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that. And I think a year of maturity in the league would do him good. And on, on Chet's side, like he has that year of maturity. He knows when to attack. He knows when to be less aggressive. So shout out to Chet, man. He's been awesome. He's exceeded my expectations. He's killing my Victor Wembanyama future bets right now. I'm just hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping for him to miss a couple of games to get back in it. But uh, don't do that. Awesome. I know that sounds terrible. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the NBA it, it's, it's in a weird, not say weird spot. It's in a good spot. We're just I don't think I don't think fans are used to seeing the success from specific teams or even players like we're seeing right now a third of the way in. Yeah, I mean the Eastern Conference is pretty chalk right now as far as like except for Orlando, what you would expect it to be. Um, but w- one thing I just did want to shout out is um you were a super big hater of speaking of, you know, 76ers, the trade for James Harden, and they had a horrendous start. I think they lost five straight. They've been really good recently. Are you changing your mind on that? Because they've won four in a row. They're seven and three in the last 10. They're gaining momentum. Are you back on the Clippers bandwagon? No, not at all. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to say that the wheels are going to fall off at some point, but I think the teams that they beat in that run, they did beat the Nuggets. I'll give them that. But like there was a, I think they lost, they beat the Jazz. I'm not, and the Warriors. Like we all know that the Warriors aren't the same. Right now, I think Steph played his ass off in that game, but like they beat the Warriors and they beat the Jazz. So, 
you know, if they go on a run of like eight and two in the last 10, seven and three, I'm like, all right, maybe this is working. But all it takes is for them to hit some more adversity. They go on a three game skid and we're right back to talking where James Harden is in the media talking about things that happen in Philly. But would you be surprised if you saw them? I Because like I'm with you. I'm not buying the Clippers as a legitimate championship threat at the moment. But if you saw them at the, the Western Conference Finals in they're a scary team in, in May. You wouldn't be surprised, though, right? No, they they have the and like th- this is what I don't want people to like get confused. Like my my reasoning for why I think that they'll implode has nothing to do with like the talent that they have. It's the cast of personalities that they have. James Harden, Hall of Famer. Russell Westbrook, Hall of Famer. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, they are Hall of Famers. I don't care what anybody says. Ka- Kawhi definitely, and Paul George definitely is by the way that he plays. That's four Hall of Famers on an NBA team. Mm-hmm. They should be a favorite to win something, Western Conference Finals, or represent their team in the NBA final, their conference in the NBA Finals. So the talent itself should be, but together those personalities, the the issues that James Harden brings to a, a team or has brought to a team, or lack thereof showing up in specific games or injury. There's so many red flags with that team that you have to worry about, are they actually going to play? Yeah, when they're on the court together, they're one of the best rosters in the NBA because they have Hall of Fame talent. Their four is better than Boston's four, who we said is the best four in the NBA. No. Yes, you got Jalen, you got Jason, uh, the, the, the guard, my apologies. True. Drew Holiday, and you got Porzingis. But I'm still taking Paul George, James. If they're healthy and they're right, Paul George, James Harden, Paul, uh, Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard, like, and whoever the center is, yes, they're going like that. That's just roster wise. I I would disagree. I think Boston has a better roster, uh, top five. But just to, just to go back to your other point, you're shaking your head. But back to your other point, I just think the thing with the Clippers is guys assuming their roles. I think that you. I think the Clippers don't have a ton of personalities, like you say. I think Westbrook has humbled himself and has been willing, begrudgingly at least, to come off the bench, which has been awesome for them. Kawhi is not a very vocal, in-your-face guy. Paul George, to his detriment, is almost too nice, Mm -hmm. where when he's playing with other guys, he becomes almost neutered and will defer a lot. And you see when when Kawhi went out, when it was Paul George and Kawhi, when Kawhi went out, Paul George would start cooking, like 30-point games, 35-point games. For me, it's like, can James Harden humble himself to take more spot-up threes? Can you be the guy that just plays off ball and when you get the ball, take the three? Because the first couple weeks of that Clippers run, he's been doing the same stupid shit he did in Philly where he would have a wide-open three, and for some reason, he'd put the ball on the floor. And like he'd try to like draw a foul or do some crazy shit. It's like, you have to just play within the system and like be cohesive with the other guys. If James can buy into that, I'm buying the Clippers, but it's been a couple years sample size with James playing along another Hall of Famer and you know Joel Embiid, and he hasn't been willing to do that to this point. Like I said, there's, there's just a lot. that That's why I wouldn't pencil them in, but it, it wouldn't surprise me because of who they have. Yeah. Do you have any more NBA midseason catch-up talk? No, I think we hit a lot on that one. All right. Let's spin the wheel. I want some NFL. I feel like we haven't... Got NFL, we probably won't based on the way this is going. Eh. Ooh, these are two good ones. Yuck. 
quarterback injuries in the NFL, which has been like crazy this year. So I I heard like a stat saying like this is like the the most different starting quarterbacks substituted in in like the history of the NFL. And this isn't like rules oriented. There's no rule that can be implemented like, you know, the the Brady 2003 rule, the late hit thing. You know, you take out somebody's knees and like it's a flag. They can't really there's not changing for that or driving somebody into the ground. We know that that was changed like three years ago. It's not it's not plays that are happening that are like against or maybe even tipping the rule scale. It's just freakish accidents like like CJ Stroud random concussion, but it wasn't a bad hit. It's just it's something that took him out. Um, the quarterback for the most recent, sorry, the the Browns, they got Joe Flacco starting. The there's Danny DeVito starting in New York for for Danny Dimes. Uh, the Vikings just lost Josh Dobbs, like, and he was a backup. So it's mm-hmm. like there's there's just so much quarterback turnover. It's it's incredible that the amount of injuries have happened this season, and I'm I'm struggling to find out like what's going to happen in the future to prevent this because I, I really don't know. I don't know if there's any, anything to prevent it. And on the bright side, the injuries have all been, except for Joe Burrow, like quarterbacks that were not going to win the Super Bowl anyways. I don't know if you're going to count the Vikings into that uh, with Kirk Cousins. I don't. I wouldn't count them as a Super Bowl contender before. Yeah, not really. But like at least the top dogs, for the most part, have still been there. And it's been kind of fun, to be honest with you, just to see different faces. Like DeVito in, in on the Giants has have has been fun. The resurrection of Joe Flacco, he was probably playing, <laughs> you know, pickup football on the weekends, and he was one hundred percent grocery shopping on his own at like Wegmans when he got the call. But he was awesome this weekend. Like he, yeah. like this was vintage Joe Flacco at thirty eight years old, which is insane. But you know, I think it's been fun to see some new faces in there, especially replacing guys who we didn't believe in anyways. You know what I mean? And. To be honest, like good for these guys that are getting chances because I was thinking about DeVito, right? He was uh, a practice squad guy, I believe, before all these injuries happened. I think he had two injuries with Tyrod and Danny Dimes going down. Mm-hmm. And now you got a guy like Tommy DeVito who will probably have a job in the NFL for the next four or five years because he's looked good enough in the small sample size that a team will be like, hey, he can be our third quarterback at the very least. So I think it's cool. Guys are getting opportunities to, to earn a living at this point instead of being shuffled out of the NFL. And on the bright side, like we're not losing our Mahomes. We're not losing our Hurts. We're not losing our Brock Purdy. You know what I mean? You had to throw Purdy in there. I know. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just like, I, I use uh, this example. Somebody had talked about it. And yes, Flacco got was the highest paid quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. Remember? Um, he's elite. That was the phrase that was used. Is Joe Flacco elite? Yep. He got paid like it and he won a Super Bowl. Um, but essentially, like, what we're seeing is are we seeing teams get like their franchise ruined by specific situations? Meaning the giants were in line for like Caleb Williams. Like they they were going to get a top echelon quarterback, Caleb Williams or Drake may. And and now this dude's, you know, Danny DeVito, whatever his name is, he's he's fucking it up for him. Like he's winning games. And they're like, like, huh? You know who Danny DeVito is? Yeah, the little actor, the guy yeah. from any given uh, Always, Always Sunny. Sunny. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tommy DeVito. My apologies. Uh, and his agent was—he looked like a mafia member. Like he looked yes. like some from The Sopranos. It's hilarious. Like love the story. Don't get me wrong. I love the story, and I think it's great that him, 
the kid that's about to jump in for the Chargers because now Herbert's out. Like the like the, uh, Jacob Browning, he's right? been Dick awesome. Browning. I yeah, can't he's believe played that. great. Like the the I, I I I love like what you're saying. Quarterbacks that wouldn't have a chance well, being able to play, but it just reminds me of like with this many injuries, it reminds me of the strike season of like just people who the hell is the quarterback today or who's the referee calling touchdown or interception. It's just, it's just so much confusion on that. And it's nothing to do with fantasy. I care less about fantasy. I'm just saying on the field, I'm like, who the hell is starting for X team nowadays? It's not the same situation in, in uh, Cincinnati with uh, Browning, but just think about how Brock Purdy got his start, right? He was uh, Mr. Irrelevant. He was not going to play for the 49ers. And then Trey Lance gets hurt in the second game uh, a year ago. And then my guy, Mr. Irrelevant, comes in, right? Becomes this franchise quarterback. And now we're thinking he's going to be the Niners quarterback for a long time. Not saying that's with Browning, but he's looked great. And he has Burrow in front of him, so he's not going to be able to get a job. But maybe he has a, maybe he has trade value now. And he can actually go and create a career. Because, you know, guys like that, like at quarterback, at least at running back, you know, you take... You have uh, committees or you have abilities. Six people in that same position. Yeah. You, even if you have a Derrick Henry in front of you or, you know, a, a premier running back, you get seven, eight snaps a game. You can prove yourself. I like this opportunity for some of these guys who don't have the chance to prove themselves every day and maybe they can create a career for themselves. On the bright side, big guys aren't going, the big names aren't going down for the most part. And you know what's curious about these injuries, though? Mm hmm. All the guys that you would expect to be hurt this year, guys that historically have been hurt or like are healthy. running quarterbacks who have a higher injury risk, you know, like your Hurts, your Lamar, um, your Josh Tua. Allen, Tua, who has an injury, all extremely healthy, which is kind of weird. Yeah, it's it is very strange. Maybe it's uh, it's the the new age. Get rid of the pocket passer, and you need to be able to run to stay healthy. Although, um, Justin Fields got hurt, so it's like. You, you you take you take what you can give, um, yeah. but no, again, it's it, it's just it sucks. I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I hate seeing you know starting quarterbacks get injured. Yeah, it's cool to see you know the backup, the third string, the fourth string. If you're Minnesota, come in, um, and and take some snaps. But at the end of the day, these these teams want to win. I think the Vikings are probably the biggest sufferer of it. Um, but like you had mentioned, maybe the the commanders, no, the commanders, Sam Howell is good, but maybe the Giants weren't going to be anything. Um, I don't think the the Cardinals were going to be anything because we saw Kyler Murray get injured. I don't think uh, maybe Indianapolis, you know, the whole thing with Gardner Minshew, but He's we knew who good. he was. And, you know, who knows if they're a playoff team with Anthony Richardson. So I don't know. It's just it's just a very, very strange season and unfortunate with, with QBs. I forgot about Anthony Richardson. That was a bummer. He was really fun yeah. to watch. All right, we're spinning the wheel. Oh, I wanted the Panthers owner mess. Bad NBA team. This one was on you, so this, I'm going to let you drive the bus on this one. No, I was just curious, like, have we ever seen as many bad NBA teams? Uh, I think you know, we have two teams currently in the NBA with losing streaks longer than 15 games. Uh, yes, that would be the Detroit Pistons with a lo losing streak of 20, 20 and the San Antonio Spurs with a losing streak of 17. I just feel like this is one of the weirdest years for teams being so bad and there's no payoff. Like, if you are someone who there's follows... nothing in the draft. Right, yeah. If you follow draft analysis, they're saying this draft is one of the, top, <laughs> like the weakest top drafts in recent years. A guy who 
is projected one one week can slip to number six. It's that fluid of a situation on top of the draft. And I can, I'm just I'm just curious. I just want to bring this up as a talking point to you. Is like, can you recall in recent memory a team like teams that have been this bad? My first thing thought is the uh, the process Sixers that won I think like eleven games or potentially um, the Nets and the Hornets. The Hornets, like it's just there's been a lot of really good teams at the top, and then a lot of really bad teams at the bottom this year. No, I, I mean, two teams in general, like one bad team per conference. You usually don't see that. This is usually just like a laughing stock for the entire year. But we're we're not even talking about the Wizards, who were down there, and the you know the Blazers and Grizzlies, who we knew the Grizzlies were going to struggle, but we didn't think they were going to struggle like this um, without Jaw. So. Yeah, there's a lot of lot for this late into the season. Not late; it's only a third in, but for people, for teams to be doubled up on losses than wins, that is that is strange. Not strange, but just like unfortunate. And I I know that I'm not one to follow college basketball. I know that for a fact. March Madness comes around, sure, but there's usually still a name that comes up. Where people are either showing highlights on on TV or a clip comes up on on social media, and I'm legit not seeing anything. the The closest that I have to that is Cooper Flag, and he's you know in in Maine High School right now. Like he is, he's not a college athlete. He just committed, and like that's the next name that's coming out. I can't think of any college athlete, unfortunately, when it comes to basketball right now. Yeah, that. So like, uh... there's there's nothing that you're you're tanking for. Yeah, that that uh, Cooper Flag guy is going to be like the next. I'm not saying he's like the next Victor Wembanyama. He's going to be the guy that everyone tanks so hard for to get. Yeah, there is a guy that's interesting. I wish I could remember his name. Um, there's a Slovenian uh, kid or a Croatian, uh, and he's supposed to be like a mini Luca. Like he's not as skilled as Luca. He doesn't have a three point shot, but he's I think he's like a six foot eight point guard who has all. Was he in the FIBA World Championships? Yeah, yeah I think young. I know who you're talking about. I just don't remember the name. Yeah, so that might be a guy that, that climbs with draft boards. It, sh- it should be an uh, interesting end of the season. I don't know why these teams are this bad. There's not really a payoff. And I had the pleasure of watching the Pistons the other night play against Orlando. Uh, I think they got their 19th straight loss that day. And that's just a team that has – it's just so poorly poorly built from top to bottom. I don't know what's going on there. Well, that's the issue. It's not so much – Yeah, we, no, you can, you can bring up the wheel. Um, last point is just it's, it's not so much the – it's ownership. It starts at the top. If they're just rolling out there and have no interesting interest in the team, it just happens to be something that they own, like they own other businesses and an NBA franchise is one of them. They're not going to invest into putting a good product out there. They're just going to invest in making more money for themselves, which you you see that with something like the Detroit Pistons. All right, let's do one more topic, then we'll hit up the bets. Cool. There's so many juicy ones that we haven't touched on. Oh, 9 11, 9 11, 9 11. Yeah. Yes. We We're here for controversy. So it's Sean McDermott, 9 11. So have you, you didn't hear anything about the story, right? The most that I heard about this were like the tail end of somebody talking about the Bills roster having McDermott's back. And then in my mind, I was just like, I mean, I know they won against the Chiefs, but what the hell happened in Buffalo? So please let me know. All right, so for those who are unaware, it was a little story on like the ESPN thing. You could click on it and open it up. And a lot of people didn't read the the details. Um, <laughs> cheering for 9-11 is, is new. Um, so, yeah, yeah that's a, it's a poor taste of the cheering on the uh, the wheel. But uh, so basically this is what happened. So 
Apparently, Sean McDermott's kind of a like, doofus, right? The head coach of the Bills. You don't say. Uh, yeah. It, he's, he's, I know he's got a lot of success in the past couple of years, the Bills and everyone saying his praise. But apparently, he just doesn't have a lot of awareness. And he gives these really bad pregame speeches, apparently. He, he gave one speech about... Uh, a woman who got lost in, in one of the Great Lakes and they sent the National Guard out to find her um, and they looked for days and days and the the team was like gathered around like locked arms like this is going to be a story of like perseverance and she you know kept on going and they they found her as heroic that's, that's what everyone's expecting when you tell one of these stories and apparently the punchline of the story was she died and they didn't find her that that was it and then everyone apparently people in the locker room were just like what <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of those stories, and it, that was corroborated by many people. Like that actually happened. So Sean McDermott tries to give another inspirational speech about teamwork, about nine eleven. And let me ask you this: Do you think he was talking about teamwork of the first responders? Just based off of where you're going with this, I'm gonna go ahead and guess no. No, he talked about the teamwork by the terrorist in nine eleven. And how they had to orchestrate things like so many different things working together to to accomplish their hold goals. On, hold on, hold on. So not only is he in the state of New York talking like this, yes, but not being able to read the room of you can go one route, which is you could talk about, like you said, the first responders, the people in the community that came together to try to you know save as many people as possible the league that he represents coming together as a collective unit and, you know, raising flags for every game. Everybody stood for the national anthem. You're telling me this dude went the route of saying the teamwork of the terrorists to to coordinate the crashing of the planes into the, the, into the twin towers. Yes. That's the route that he went. The, The head coach of the Buffalo bills thought it would be a very inspirational speech to talk about, the teamwork required to pull off a 9-11 attack. And not only that, he apparently took breaks and asked players questions like, oh, what do you think they had to do here? And, and apparently the room was like horrified, but like, you know, like they're, it's football. So like, you're not going to just be like, coach, you're a fucking idiot. They were just like, uh, they had a, you know what I mean? Like they bought, they kind of bought into it, but man, it just shows like, the doofusness of this head coach and Sean McDermott and and making this analogy to inspire a team. And no wonder why they got they lost so many games early because if he's given pregame speeches like this, they're gonna come out flat. <laughs> I just don't I just don't understand. And you know what's the worst thing is like I get it when you're a head coach, like you have to respect like you've played football. It's very um respect authority sort of sort of yes. sport. If you're the head coach, you know, your assistant coaches aren't gonna be like, hey Sean, like Shut the fuck up. This ain't a good idea. Uh, but yeah, they let him crash and burn. No pun intended on that. And, <laughs> Dog, and then you just used that joke. Just <laughs> Should I give myself the laugh? Bum, bum, ba, dum, bum. I was thinking more of this. <laughs> Thanks, Kawhi. He's got my back. <laughs> but yeah, I don't wonder why. And it, the, the thing is, like, this guy's a doofus, and they were doing poorly. They fired their offensive coordinator as a scapegoat. And if if the Bills don't turn this thing around and win at least a playoff series this year, he has to be done in Buffalo. I would say so, yeah. I know this wasn't really going to be the flip to talk about the man's job security, but I think with the expectations that they've had over the past, how long has it been since Brady left? Four years, right? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. 
the reason why I bring that up, not to, it's not a window really opened. What's that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The window opened for them because it was it it was Brady and the Patriots division. We really the tank for Tua. Nobody really believed in the Dolphins. You know the firing of uh, of their head coach. Um, Talking about back, Flores. Yeah, Brian Flores got fired, and then you know they bring in Mike McDaniel, and they're like, "Who the hell is this?" So like you weren't expecting the dolphins to be the leader of the pack. So if, if they don't get it done this year, and like you said, it's not even about winning a championship because like, I don't know if they're a championship caliber team at the moment, but like if they get to the AFC championship, they're a scary team because of their quarterback. I'll give them that. But if they get to the AFC championship and lose a tight one, I think he retains his job. They get blitzed in the first round in the wild card. No, it, I don't care if it, if it was a close game or a blowout. I think McDermott gets fired because it's like, we can't keep doing this. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I just think the, the wildest thing about this story is if you want to tell a 9-11 story to be inspirational and working together, it's right in front of you, my man. Like the Just go with first responders, the firemen, the There's the, literally the not... You could have talked about 99% of anything else that happened with teamwork involving 9-11, and he chose the, the 1% of things that you shouldn't talk about. Uh, as an inspirational factor or, or piece to try to bring a team together and and pump them up to go beat the Chiefs. I mean, good goodness gracious. I like how uh, you brought the New York things. I didn't even, that totally just uh, like slid slid it off my mind that they're in the state of New York and he's bringing up nine eleven and just saying how the terrorists did such a good job. Way to be. That's a, how weird it is to 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 think that the Buffalo Bills are part of New York because they're just so upstate. You just think of the Jets and Giants, the Jets and Giants, and they're just like the motherfuckers are in New Jersey. And we say that they're more New York than Buffalo is. Uh, so let's let's go from one. But he talks. Let's go from one disaster to a disaster of my own when it comes to gambling picks because I was three last week and it was awful. Comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. We are transitioned from terrorist attacks to money talks, but we're here mm. now. Uh, just our, our weekly gambling picks. Let's just go through them really quick this week and not not dilly dally. I went over three last week. I was horrible. D another winning week. You're you're plus five hundred over five hundred now. You climbed yes, out of the sir. hole. Sir, nineteen and eighteen. Let's go. Oh, we got the two ties too, but nineteen and eighteen and two. <sighs> I have four picks. I don't know which one to cut out. I'm gonna go with. Uh, let's let's do the Bills. I'm gonna take the Bills. Fuck it. We just talked about how the Bills are a disaster, but they're actually gelling at the right time. They they won last week uh, against. Did they play KC this last week, right? They just they just beat KC on a controversial, which wasn't so controversial. Let's stop crying about Mahomes. They beat KC. They almost beat the Eagles. They should have beat the Eagles, who are floundering a little bit themselves. I'm taking the Bills minus two against the red hot Dallas Cowboys, and I know what you're saying. Steve, what are you doing with the Cowboys? They are the most prolific offense of the past month. Dax, the MVP candidate, leader in the race. But guess what, guys? That Buffalo weather is icy. Mm. And the Cowboys have been killing subpar teams. And I'm going to say that including the Eagles. The Eagles have looked a little shaky. And they've been doing it all at home. That home field advantage, when it starts getting cold in December, is legit in Buffalo. Josh Allen looks like he's playing like a man possessed. Like he wants to win it. I'm taking the Bills minus two. Uh, my first pick. My next two picks are going to be the, a tale of comeback, bounce back games. Taking the Dolphins minus nine, lots of points versus the Jets. I know the Dolphins just lost the Titans. Hear me out. They're really good at home, 
And I just feel like the NFL is one of those weird sports that kind of like ebbs and flows, you know, goes back and forth. You get a letdown one week, you come fired up, fired up the next week if you're a good team. I bet the Dolphins lay win by 20. I'm taking Dolphins minus nine versus Jets, and I'm also taking Kansas, Kansas City minus nine and a half against the Patriots. Boys laying down some points, okay. Yeah, I just I like the Dolphins in Kansas City this week just because, again, embarrassing losses this past weekend. I think they come prepared. I think they are motivated because they are they see the playoff hopes slipping away. And I don't mean they're going to miss the playoffs, but these are teams that need to climb the standings to host some games. I'm going to take both of those, giving up all those points this week. Well, you're, you're talking about wins. I'm talking about points. So I'm actually going to throw a heater at you and say, I'm taking the Jets. Give me the oh, eight and God, a half we're... against the Dolphins. Reason being, I believe in Zach Wilson. <laughs> My boy is back. That boy went off in the second half. After you sent me a text message saying that it was zero to zero going into the first half, I was like, what the hell is going on in, in New York for, for me to be watching this type of game? But they put, he hung 30 in the second half. The boy went off. So, like, I know we were joking around saying, yeah, he doesn't want to even be quarterback. They were like, hey, man, like, you know, somebody called out of work. And he was like, tough. Like, call somebody else. It's kind of like what he said. Like, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. But, like, he went out there. He went 27 for 36. He threw for 300. And he threw for two touchdowns, no picks. So the kid looked good. I'm not saying that he's going to save their season, but that's a lot of points. I think there's a little bit of up in the airness with the whole, you know, how Tyreek is feeling. And we know the difference between how that Dolphins team looks with Tyreek on the field and when he's not on the field. And I just think not to say that we, we both said that the Jets were going to get sick and tired of like having to bail out the team. Well, last week they didn't. They they stuck around, and I know CJ lost a receiver last week, a receiver this week, and a running back. So like they handled CJ Stroud. I'm not saying that they're going to handle two in them, them like completely, but eight and a half points is a lot of points. So I'm gonna go ahead and take those. Okay, I was gonna be nine. I got, I have nine on my line, so I'll give you nine. Sure, I, mine says eight and a half, so I ain't gonna be arguing about it. Uh, I'm going to stick with the NFL and then rip a random one after. But this one I'm going with is the Falcons versus the Panthers. I'm going to go ahead and give the Panthers three points. You know, give me the Falcons. I know that the Falcons aren't really a great team, but goodness gracious, do the Panthers look bad. Um, I feel bad for Bryce Young, man. He's out there being, you know, Tommy Pickles and doing was his best impression of a quarterback. Uh, amongst giants out there but he's got nothing around him to throw to nobody to hand the ball off to and a defense that literally is just like when's the next season gonna start that's funny because i the one i cut out was i was also going to take the falcons minus three i I feel like again a bounce back game for the falcons i just i don't believe in the falcons as much as i do like the dolphins and kansas city bounce it back it's not so much that I believe in the Falcons. I just, I know how bad the, the Panthers, Panthers are. bad. Are. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and take the points. On, I'll give the points on that one. See how it lays on that. Uh, and then for my random one, just because, again, I feel a little, feel a little good hitting the random ones. I was able to hit that Army-Navy game last week. So I'm going to go ahead and dip and dabble into some basketball. Just mm. expecting there to be an absolute blowout. They put up 140 points in the last game, so give me the Pistons. It says that they're supposed to give up 11 and a half. Excuse me, give, it, give me the, the 76ers. It's 11 and a half minus points to the Pistons. That's tomorrow night. I think they're going to blow the doors off of them. I don't see them ending their streak, and I think Philly goes in there, and they just run them off the court, and they give up by the second quarter. I like that. I actually would look into, uh, I don't know what the over-under is for total points for the Pistons, but fun fact is the Pistons shoot the least threes in the NBA, and they're also 
bottom three, I think, in three-point percentage. So not only do they take very little threes, they make very little. So I don't think they'll score a lot of points. They'll have to work inside against Joel Embiid. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Let's go. I'll take the points. Oh, I'll, I'll give. go ahead and give him 11 and a half. I think it's going to be a blowout. I like it. Good picks. Uh, hopefully you keep your hot streak alive and I climb out of that awful hole I had last week. <laughs> but hey, remember last time you faded me on a pick, who won? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a big injury that changed the, the deciding factor of that game. So let's right. not pray for another one. <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's get back to the wheel. I think we have time for like one or two more topics. Let's hope we hit a good one for the last yeah. last week. Versus five is still there too. That'd be fun. Yeah, we can save that just in case. It's a good one for you guys. Just if we do land on it, just, you know, some foreshadowing. Okay. Not a bad one. Not a bad one. We kind of touched on it already. Uh, very topical since it happened last night. The Monday night football games, weird that they had two on at once last yeah, night. Yeah, actually, before you start, how do you feel about the doubleheader on, on Monday nights? I like it because if one's a stinker, I can go to the other one. And thankfully, both were actually really good. Um, I do like that they have a little box in the in the right-hand corner that tells you the score of the other games. You can kind of follow along if you're watching one or the other. So I completely forgot that there was two games. And because of that little ticker, I was like, oh, shit, the 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 you know, I think it was the Packers and Giants game was on ABC and the other game was on ESPN, both same network, which is pretty cool. Um, so like it was, it was, it was cool to be able to go back and forth towards that. Um, Giants and DeVito, unbelievable game. Uh, but I'll let you touch on it first. Uh, I actually want to go to the Dolphins game. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know what to take of this game because I think the whole year there's been kind of like an aura around the Dolphins is there are people who believe in the Dolphins cause they, have a crazy point differential. They can put up points, but there's also a good chunk of people who are kind of skeptics because they don't really beat good teams, right? I think they have maybe one win against the 500 team. It came last week, I believe. Um, but it was just a really bad showing by the Dolphins. And I'm curious, do you think this is more indicative of the Dolphins being fraudy or the Titans putting it together? Because Will Levis, man, like he won me over <laughs> Monday Night Football. He looks like... He, he was playing like Tim Tebow Jr., and I don't mean that in the fact that he was throwing poorly like Tim Tebow, but like, dude was lowering his shoulders and, and taking on safeties, trying to run them over. And the man, the man looks like he hit the gym a little bit. That second down, it was like second and 10. He was like four yards short of the first down, and he still lowered his shoulder to make it like third and six. I was like, okay, boy. Like, I don't think your coach likes that, but your team will respect that. That, that's one of those your offensive line will block a little longer because of your quarterback doing that. So if you, you win the crowd, you win the war, a, a gladiator once said. So I, I respect Levis. Um, I think he got a raw deal at the beginning of the season sitting behind Tannehill. We know Tannehill ain't it, so I'm glad that they were able to, to showcase his, his talents. Uh, yeah, I, I won't say that the Dolphins are fraud, but I will say that women lie, men lie, numbers don't lie. We talked about this with the the Vikings last year. Those close games, we were like, yeah, it's cool that they have a 12-0 record in one-possession games, but why do they have so many one-possession games? And then we saw it you know, rear its evil eye this year when they were losing all of those games when they had Kirk Cousins. So with the Dolphins, that stat that comes up is they have a winning record against teams below 500, but a losing record against teams above. Uh, above. 
and the Titans had a had a sub 500 record. So when you start to show the trend of losing to those teams, you shouldn't be losing to. It's like I'm not going to say they're not as good as they are. They're an explosive offense, but their defense did not bail them out at all last night with a subpar performance from the run game. All they had to really do, yeah, they got a they got a fumble six. I think it was. Those are freakish turnovers. Yeah, aren't like yeah, the pick six. Sorry, those types of turnovers. It's not like they're causing two or three per game, right? There was if a they special were, teams turnover thing. too, like a, a muffed punt. Return. Yeah, so like I'm not gonna say that they're like the, the the 49ers defense is scary because they're drive stoppers. Turnovers aren't always a defensive stat. A bad pass by a quarterback doesn't mean it's a great defensive play, right? The 49ers will let you get to midfield and then sack, and it's a punt compared to a team that will drive all the way up the field, get a touchdown, drive up the field, throw a pick. You gave up all those yards. You know what I'm saying? Like you just happened to get an interception. And that's kind of like what the Dolphins play like. So when they are when they give up 28 to the Titans, who had, I think, 20 yards on the ground from Derrick Henry, it's not a good thing, right? Because like yeah. they were forcing the pass, and they got Xavier Howard on one side and Jalen Ramsey on the other. And D-Hop was like vintage D-Hop, where he was just out there mossing motherfuckers. Yeah, the thing about the Dolphins that kind of scare me is again they haven't had a win against uh winning like a team with a above five hundred record this season, and they haven't had to play a lot of close games, right? They've the games that they've won, they've they've handled teams pretty pretty healthily. You know, I think over seven points over a one possession game. Dolphins super high octane, right? They can put points on the board, explosive plays, but I'm curious how they handle a grinded out playoff style game against a, a team that's in a top echelon. You know, I think of the cream of the crop right now, I'm going to say the 49ers. I believe in that team is a team that can grind out a long drive, eat clock. And you saw that last night with the with the Dolphins. You know, they had, I think, a 14-point lead at some point, and they just couldn't grind out the game. They rely a lot on big explosive plays. If you can limit those explosive plays, I don't see that team as a team that can just you know, grind out first down after first down after first down after first down. Granted, I will say this, the Dolphins had a lot of injuries last night, not only in the game, but coming into the game. And one of the biggest injuries that they had was um, they lost their center. Mm-hmm. And apparently they could not figure out the quarterback center exchange. They had to pretty much play shotgun the whole time. So uh, granted, that does hamper your ability to play that grinded outside of football. I'm not, I'm not going to say that it's all fraudy and agree with Christian that two is a fraud. I think it's a bit of, bit, bit of hyperbole. He's been awesome. But if, if they don't have that big play Tyree kill action, that offense doesn't look like a top five offense at that point. Are you talking? Two points that were made. The, the center injury was huge. Uh, two fumbled the ball at the three-yard line going into the end zone. Um, I think it was in the first half. Not good, obviously. And second point is they had a 14-point lead with three minutes left. So that is the definition of not being able to close a game. Whether a team has three timeouts or not, you should be able to run the ball a specific way to get the clock down to not allow them to drive, which I think on their last drive it was 64. Yeah, they they were they they turned the ball over for them to be at the Dolphins, excuse me, the the Titans 45. Mm. You you can't let that happen, right? Like it they punted and it was a crappy punt, three and out play. It was a three and out drive that lasted 25 seconds. 
Yeah, you can't have it. And that's not possible for you to win games if that's the case. You were up 14 points, and that was a drive that you had. I would like to see the Dolphins a little more run inside because a lot of the running game is predicated on getting outside and, and getting space uh, outside the tackle. And I just want to see them be able to pound the ball a bit more inside to be a team, again, that in the playoffs, when you have to secure a lead and, and ice a game, you can do that by just getting four yards at a time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. It's just how 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 are they going to respond? I t- I said it was the bet that I took last week. I said that it was going to be a gr- grinded out style game. They're going to slow it down or do their best to slow it down, and they didn't even really do that. But two touchdowns on the ground with Derrick Henry showed that they were committed to running the ball. He only averaged two yards per carry, but they kept running the ball, keeping that Miami offense off of the field. Did you want to touch on the uh, the veto game? Yeah, why not? Just a quick one. Um, just when we thought that Jordan Love was the second coming of Patrick Mahomes, he looked very mid again. It's like a roller coaster with him. In three or four weeks in a row, he's like MVP style. And then like two or three weeks later, he's back down to being, you know, Danny Dimes or Baker Mayfield, whoever, Kirk Cousins, but, you know, primetime Kirk Cousins, pick your poison. Like he's he's so hot and cold. That not gonna say he's like not the QB one because he is, but another twenty five for thirty nine, terrible percentage on that end, like fifty percent almost, two eighteen, a touchdown and a pick, and he got outdueled from a Tommy DeVito. Like I'm not hating on the kid, but the kid plays with he plays with flair. He made an absolute dime in the back of the end zone, throwing it to I believe he scrambled to his right, and he threw it to his right, caught ball in the corner of the end zone. Like that's an incredible pass. But if you're the Packers surging in the NFC in the NFC North, you're not. I'm not saying that they're going to beat the the Lions, but the Lions have been kind of beatable. This was the game that you could potentially take control of that conference, right? It's not going to be the Vikings. It's not going to be the you know the Bears. So like you, we were talking about the Packers being a potential playoff team, and then you go out there and lay an egg like this. It's like. I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know how much we can believe in the Packers if this is the type of, I would say, outcome that they're going to have. I think the most impressive thing was that Tommy DeVito going to that game was the most sacked quarterback over the past three weeks. He, I think he had something like he was sacked 32 times over the past four weeks or something since he came in. Mm-hmm. And he got sacked zero times last night, which is insane. Yep. Pretty good job with the offensive line. Uh, Saquon almost, almost fumbled the game away. A hell of a run, bounced to the outside, and then tripped over his own feet and fumbled the ball, gave the Packers a chance. All right. Last spin of the wheel, and then we'll head to the uh, closing takes. Oh, Tani. Let's go. I think this is a great Oh, one. No, no. no. No, don't do playoff picture. We've talked enough football. Okay. We're the ones okay. Out okay. We're, we're, the wheel. Let's talk about the Otani contract. That's a good one to end on. It was close enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys didn't see that. We'll get rid of that. All right, D. What do you do you want me to kick us off in the Otani contract? Give you the, yeah, the information. Yeah. I just have I just have feedback, but yeah, you could you could break down the uh the results for it. Yeah, this is an interesting one because me and D were going back and forth on text last night over it and we disagreed on some things. So uh so if you're not aware, Shohei Otani, awesome pick, awesome baseball player, uh won the AL MVP last year, was a silent candidate before he probably before he blew up his arm. Uh and he needed to get Tommy John surgery shortly after that. He signed the richest contract, I think, maybe in Amer- North American sports. North American sports, yes. Yeah, so it was uh, $700 million over 10 years. Uh, we'll t- do you want to talk about the deferred stuff too? He deferred $68 yeah. million of that a year. So he's getting paid 
$2 million for those 10 years, which is great for the Dodgers because basically that's not on their books for the next 10 years. So they can yep. basically spend around a shit it, ton yep. of money around him. He's getting paid like a, like a rookie essentially for the next, I don't know, 10 years so they can build around him. And uh, I know a lot of baseball fans are pretty pissed that aren't Dodgers fans about that deal, but it's, it was really interesting. I don't know where, how you want to approach this and what you want to talk about first in this, but I'll let you uh, get on that. So my, my, I won't say argument. I think it was a smart way of how he's handling it is like the deferred payments uh, granted it's like he's he's deferring 680 million until the year 2034 and i know we went back and forth saying it's not a smart business decision it is a smart business decision i don't know what his angle is i don't have like his brain or like who he's talked to about it for me if he's playing in la he's gonna get hit with la taxes and a number that they they rolled out for me i think they were talking about if he were to take that 700 million and he was going to break it down to 10 years and get paid 70 million a year right i think is that 700 million right 70 yeah, a 70 year, million, 10 years? 70 okay year. so if he was in la and we were to take that 70 per year with with the california taxes he would have taken away 34 million like that's how much the taxes are impacted where he's living. So from my standpoint, and I understand what you're saying, you take it, you invest it, you make money, compound money, interest, blah, 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 blah. I don't know how that works. So if that's the way, then that's the way. I saw it as, yeah, I'm not I'm not getting giving the state my bread. So I'm gonna make it seem like I don't make that much money. Let me play out my 10 years. I, I wanna say there's buyout years where he could choose to just leave or become a free agent and they just you know buy him out and then he could just go retire when he's he's 29 now he will retire when he's 39 and move to like texas where they have no state tax and he has 680 mil that he's sitting on yeah i understand that compound interest is great but the man still will have 680 million dollars to fall back on when he's not even 40 i'd say it's still a smart business decision well outside of how absurd this is for MLB just the idea that a team that's already stacked with talent can add him pretty much for nothing that's a huge competitive advantage I'm surprised there's gotta be something wrong with the MLB PA for that like I feel like you can't do that so, in any other sport to be like if Brady takes a of a hit it's like all right he's getting paid as much as the left tackle but he's not going to be able to take a hit NFL PA wise where he makes as much as the punter there's right. just no fucking way they let that happen. I mean, it's happened in the past. We always, we always talk about every year the Bobby Manila day where he gets his a $2 million paycheck. It's never been done to this, this like egregious <laughs> amount. Like This is the most insane thing I've ever seen. I will say like 10 years down the line, that's still going to count against their books. So 10 years down the line, they're going to be paying for a player they don't have $68 million against their uh, their books. And again, there's no, there's no salary cap in MLB, but there's a luxury tax line. So... Basically, it's kind of like basketball where like once you go over the luxury tax, you're paying, you know, percentage more a percentage more. So it's going to be costly for them down the line. But um, they're not going to have these names in 2034. They're not going to have the Dodgers, Mookie. though. Gonna, yeah, but I don't think they're going not going to have Mookie Betts in 2034. They're not going to have. No, but they'll I have think, the next guy. They'll have whoever yeah, is. Up they're, they're the Dodgers. They're always spending money and always competitive. I was just saying from my argument was like from a business perspective and a financial perspective, if, if you just look at the inflation calculator, if you got paid a dollar in 2013, right? Um, or if an item cost a dollar in 2013, uh, it would cost a dollar 32 today. So there's an uh, inflation adjustment. So if you defer $700 million, 
it's not going to go as far, first of all, in 10 years, right? Because that money is worth less mm-hmm. because of inflation. And secondarily to that, if you don't have that money on hand, you cannot invest it and make money off of it. Like, for example, if you bought a house 10 years ago, it's probably worth two times as much today. If Otani gets that money today and invests it in whatever stocks or bonds or whatever he wants to invest it in, he can make money off of that. So not only is he not losing money on the back end to inflation, but he's also increasing his his value. On the flip side, I don't know if you know this about Otani. Yeah, I know you're not a big baseball fan. He's like the biggest name in baseball across the world. He gets mm-hmm. crazy endorsements over in Asia. He makes about $40 million a year in endorsement money. Mm. <laughs> so he's not hurting for money. Um, I think this is a play for the, the Dodgers. Dude, the Dodgers. He's he's serious about winning, mm-hmm. right? He wants to win a World Series, and this is the ultimate sacrifice. Where, yeah, I'm probably going to lose some money to inflation and not investing it, but I'm putting myself in the best situation to actually win. So, if you want to look at it from a dollars and cents, you can be like, "What are you doing, bro?" But if you are a purist about you play sports to win and and get championships, this is like the ultimate. I care about winning move, which is amazing. Kudos to him and a round of applause because like, if that is the reason for him doing that, I'm not going to be mad at it. I'm not going to knock a guy for wanting to win in this day and age where people are doing things for a lot of the bread. They're doing it just to be settled and there's nothing wrong. Get your money. I'm never going to be mad at somebody going to get their bread. But if he's doing this so that the team can be better for them to win a potential world series, I'm not going to be mad at that. Yeah, the, like you said, it's not going to go as far in 10 years from now, but like $680 million is still $680 million. I don't care if it's a dollar for a Poland Springs water or if it's $2 for a Poland Springs water. It, it, it ain't hit my paycheck because it's, here you go, swipe the card, don't matter. It really doesn't for him. Yeah, the one thing about Otani is like, there's a lot of question marks. You know, he's obviously a dual threat guy where he can pitch at a high level and, and bat at an MVP level. Um you know, coming off that second Tommy John surgery, it's like there's not a lot of guys. There's not precedent for someone coming back and being an effective pitcher after that second surgery. Um, so it's a lot of money for someone who's probably going to be just a batter for you for the foreseeable future. To put it in perspective, the the highest contracts in MLB history, the second one. So we're talking Otani got seven for seven hundred or ten for seven hundred million, seventy million a year. The number two is Aaron Judge, nine years, three hundred sixty million. So this is a huge jump, double, almost double. And then I, I was trying to think. There's a couple other ones that are around that, you know, thirty million dollars a year. Bryce Harper, Corey Seager. I was doing some research to see, like, all right, I know A. Rod got insane money um, back in like oh one. He got like I think ten for two hundred and seventy million, which in oh one that's a lot more money. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if you if you account for inflation, is that kind of equivalent? Not even close. So if you if you adjusted it for today's inflation, A Rod was getting about five hundred million over ten, so fifty million a year. If it was like today's money, Otani still blows it out of the water. Yeah, twenty million a year. That's still incredible. So I mean, shout out to him for being the ultimate team player guy and trying to win. I've never seen anything like this before, and I'm sure there will be some rule changes in the future uh, to stop this from happening again. I mean, damn, we'll go out there and get your bread because that's incredible and especially a competitive advantage for the Dodgers. I wonder if uh, I wonder if he got more money because he agreed to defer it to. Probably. If you're the owner, why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, we'll give you we'll give you a billion. Just come to us if you only got to pay. Hey, we only got to pay you two million a year for the next ten years. We'll give you a billion. If I'm that owner, I am selling my team. 
year nine of that contract and getting the fuck <laughs> out before that hits. That's so fucked up. <laughs> All right, let's close out of here. The show is coming to an end. But first, it's time to get to anything we've missed. It's closing time. One segment, two takes. It's that time. About to get out of here, but we have a couple more things to get off our chest before we leave. I wanted to grab one thing that was on the wheel just because uh, you had asked about it. You were like, what, do you, what is that? Uh, and it was the uh, the Panthers ownership disaster. Uh, David Teppers, uh, the businessman who bought the Carolina Panthers franchise a couple years ago. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of like what, what had occurred with the, the firing of Frank Wright, but there's some stories coming out this week. Basically, it's a pretty toxic organization with Teppers, and he basically is oversaw an organization where people can be snitches, more or less. Um, we talked about football before, right? And there's like a respective authority. There's a lot of hierarchy in the idea of the football world, right? Like player reports to the player's position coach, player's position coach reports to um, the OC, OC reports to the head coach. Like there's a very strict hierarchy in football. My understanding is it's a complete disaster as far as the hierarchy goes in uh, Carolina, where basically you have position coaches kind of going behind the back of the head coaches and murmuring to the owner like hey man you know i don't like the i don't think he's doing right by bryce young he's not being hard on him enough and you know he's not working on this with bryce young or like there's a lot of little chirping behind the scenes to the owner and the owner is very receptive to this type of chirping the owners this is the type of owner that wants to be very hands-on with the organization and basically what's what it came out is that for example frank wright would be there in a meeting and tappers would come and be like hey man i think you need to work on um, Bryce Young's footwork under pressure from the left side. Like he would come up with this random shit that obviously like it's not coming from his head. So he's listening to input from all the people at the bottom and then trying to enforce it at the top, creating this complete like divulsion of the hierarchy, making it very hard to run an organization. Long story short, enough of the uh, Frank Wright haters. So guys that Frank Wright didn't get to hire were chirping uh, in Tepper's ears Teppers eventually goes ahead and fires Frank Wright. Not only fires Frank Wright, but all of Frank Wright's guys got fired with him. So basically, it was like a coup in uh, in the Panthers organization. It was a complete mess. You're on mute again, buddy. You sure? Am I good? You're good now. Um, it's going to be a complete mess for a very long time, and it's going to be a Arizona Cardinals situation all over where everybody just keeps getting let go. Offensive and defensive coordinators keep coming in, head coaches keep coming in, and the quarterback gets no success out of it. Five coordinators in five years. You're going to see that with Bryce Young, unfortunately, because the owner's not going to change, but he will change if he's listening to people on the back end. He'll change all the coaches. Even if he handpicks one guy and it takes, you know, the scouting guy to come in and be like, hey, man, I don't think the offensive coordinator is doing his job. You know what? You're right. And he's going to get rid of them. And you're going to you're going to see a very successful quarterback in college fall by the wayside. And he's going to get blamed as opposed to understanding his surroundings. So I feel bad for Bryce. I think he would have just as much success if he was in Houston where they have a better organization. I know we were talking about how bad they were like a year ago. Um, but like they at least have their shit right. They don't in, in unfortunately in Charlotte. Yeah, and they're looking at it a one in 
potentially what 16 season and they don't and have the first overall pick and they don't have the number one pick so it, it's tough it's tough sledding ugly 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 out in charlotte so for mine actually good good segue when it comes to first pick um i'm actually going to give a huge credit and a huge shout out to the 2023 ncaa heisman trophy winner Jaden daniels Reason being, it's not so much about it being from Louisiana State University, QB2. Joe Burrow will always be QB1. But I think his story is incredible. For him to start over at Arizona State, being a quarterback, uh, I think he was there for a year, maybe two, and then COVID hit. COVID hit <clears throat> kind of scrambled a lot of players' like aspirations for, for being in the league. He had a tough season. He transfers. Usually you don't transfer up. You usually transfer laterally or down. He went from Arizona State to Louisiana State University. That's a hell of a win for him, obviously, in that case. Uh, not only when he transfers, but, like, I don't know if you saw the videos that circulated around him. Like, his teammates were, like, you know, calling him out by his name, saying he sucks, calling him a bitch. All these things that, like, look, the dude went out there, did his best for you, and because he chooses to make a decision change, like, you, you can't be mad at that. Like, grow. Clearly, it was the right decision if Arizona State went down the tubes and LSU obviously continuously, you know, elevated themselves. So big shout for him to not only win the Heisman, having an absolutely incredible season, but he's raised his draft stock. The kid went from potentially being a third, fourth rounder last year to being a top, yeah, top three quarterback now is what I'm told. Like, I'm I'm annoyed at that because like all season I just said like, all right, cool, fall to the Saints, fall to pick ten through fifteen. He's not gonna last that long. Like it, dra there's draft, I would say like um draft projections of him going like third or fourth overall i saw like today he was projected to the giants at like four yes same same um which is like I'm, I'm happy i'm proud for him but like it also begs the question like is this transfer portal thing like transfer portal thing like is it going to be like the thing of the future we see so many kids sign with ohio state then transfer to oklahoma sign with alabama then transfer to texas and it just changes their like lives. Like I think I, I watched something that said like the last ten Heisman Trophy winners, eight out of eight out of ten were transfers. And it's just like it's incredible that you see a, team, a a player get a different, you know, get another chance at another school, elevate themselves, and then get drafted high in the NFL. I was so curious. To him for that. I saw that. I want to ask you, and we don't have to get into today, but like, do you think he is that type of guy? Whether he should go top five? I. For me, like this whole thing of him moving to the top five after winning the Heisman, it just shows me how dumb NFL scouting is. And the fact that, like, if you originally thought he was a fourth round guy, how is he now a top four? You, it just makes me realize with quarterbacks, at least, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. It's just a complete gamble. To an extent, you still want to look at tape. Tape, and again, numbers don't lie. High risk, high reward quarterbacks, you typically take a chance on, and they will rise their stock. Look at what happened with Zach Wilson, obviously. I'm not comparing him to, to Zach Wilson, but I'm saying for the season that he had, he led the NCAA in pass explosive plays, passes that were like 30 yards down the field or more. He was like 22 touchdowns, no interceptions on like an 80% clip. And it's like, that would be incredible for people that are throwing less than 30 yards. He's throwing the ball down the field and he's not turning the ball over. So like, that's an incredible step to know that he's processing information. So not just say, fuck it. Somebody's down there throwing it. Like, I know he's got two good, two good wide receivers and neighbors and, and Thomas, Brian Thomas, uh, the second, but like, you still have to, you still have to put the ball in the right spot. 
and for him to do it as much as he did as often as he did as successful as he was knowing that co coordinators in the sec are are scouting against that they're game playing against that it just shows that he's elevated himself where yeah last year he might have been a second or third rounder but he had an incredible season that you go no this is a guy that i would say can run my franchise because he's improved in the weight room he's improved in the in the scouting room and he's improved on the field yeah i mean it's just wild. I remember Shador Sanders was the third quarterback in the line. Now I don't see him even in the top seven. It's because he's going back to school. Oh, it, well, all right. Yeah, that's why. Because he would be up there. He'd be up there as like second or third just because he's been mentored by Brady. Um, where there are some people that are saying Drake may may go in front of Caleb Williams now. So like, it's so weird. No one knows what they're how doing. Quarterbacks. Yeah, it, it's just everybody likes to hype up so that when it comes to the trade time, they can try to get the most value out of it. And like, why not do that, right? Like, we're gonna see Justin Fields' stock go through the roof this season because teams are gonna want that number one pick. All I know is if the Patriots have the opportunity to draft Jaden Daniels, they ain't gonna do it. There's not a chance in hell they draft Jaden Daniels. I'm sorry, New England fans, but y'all y'all don't want him. Y'all don't want that Bayou boy. Y'all don't want that Bayou Bengal. You, you know, you know, uh, Bill Belichick and uh, New England is Drake Bay, Drake May or bust. Drake May has been a New England Patriot since he became a freshman. At North Carolina, <laughs> it was it was the number one thing that was going to happen. It was oh Drake May plays for North Carolina, he's going to be a Patriot in three years. <laughs> tank for Drake, tank for Drake. <laughs> I like it. All right, D, it was a good show. I'm glad we got to bring the wheel back. We got touched on a lot of good stuff. I don't think there was many good things we left uh, left untouched. But uh, yeah, let it get us out of here the right way, man. You got it, man. Hey, for all that are listening to us live or watching us live on Twitch, again, we appreciate you all. If you hit us up on YouTube, I saw some people that were chatting us on Facebook. It's incredible. We love to see that everybody gets to hit us up on any platform that you can find us. Uh, but please make sure you get a chance. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, help us out. The better that you guys help us out, the more we grow, the better we can present to you guys on a, on a weekly basis. So find us on Instagram. Nope. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook. You can find our website. We'll get a Tiki Taki one day, and we may even have some Instagram pages. Um, I think my guy is actually working on some merchandise. Already there, man. Just send me the He's money. Already working. Send me there. the money. I got yep. you. All this bread we keep winning from from betting, it's going to be invested in some merchandise for you guys. I can't so wait give for us you guys. And we'll, and we'll and we'll we'll go ahead and order it for you. I can't but wait please. for you to get the gambling so we can uh, see how bad you are. It's gonna be so bad. It's coming in. It's coming to North Carolina next year. But we we always say it when we're heading out of here. Please make sure that y'all take care of y'all bread. Make sure y'all take care of y'all mentals. Make sure y'all take care of y'all chicken. You got something to say before I get us out of here? You were pointing. You interrupted me. No, I was me, pointing because my me, my oh, music. I got. Oh my god. Our music. Right I'm now. trying to wrap us up and you messing us up. Make sure y'all take care of y'all chicken, y'all bread, y'all cheering, y'all physicals, y'all mentals. We'll catch you on the rebound. Peace. Hey, they got a website that you can hire girlfriends for the day.